We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield, Jordan Foote, and Josh Kaiser. Joining me as always, gentlemen, are you going to stay up and watch the uh, the opening of the World Baseball Classic tonight? Josh? I'm not. Nope. You're not? Your, boy, uh, your boy's a little tired. He had a uh, very fussy child last night, so... I will be catching the highlights tomorrow morning, I believe. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. I uh, I have a busy day Wednesday that needs my full undivided attention. Um, so once I hop off this podcast, I'm going to be um, working on stuff and preparing for that. So I'll, I'll catch highlights, you know, and we'll, we'll follow along. But um, we're starting off on a bad note, especially. <laughs> Joel's probably going to be watching intently, taking notes, all that good stuff. Nah, so. I, I told myself I at least wanted to stay up and catch a few innings before I went to bed. Yeah. Uh, because the game, I think, is at 10 p.m. local time. It's Cuba versus mm-hmm. the Netherlands. Uh, so I'm going to check it out just for a couple innings. And then I know there's another a game in the morning at like 5 a.m. because it's they're over in Taiwan and Korea, I think, or where the Pool C or Pool A and Pool B games are. So I'll catch I'll catch a couple innings, but and then I'll catch the back half of whatever game is uh, happening tomorrow morning because I'll be up yep. for at seven a.m. for work. So what's that airing on? I LLB believe it's on FS1. Okay, that's pretty big time. MLB Network. Yeah, I would be pissed if it was on MLB Network because thank you YouTube TV for that one. Correct, same Z's. Yeah, so that's unfortunate, but it's on FS1 Fox. Uh, we got. We'll talk a little more WBC at the end, where you can catch all of the Royals that are uh, that are coming in, or they're going to be representing their respective countries, or just their heritage, I guess. In heritage, the case of, of yeah. a guy like Vinny Pascantino, Nicky Lopez <laughs> playing for Team Italy, uh, but it, you know, it's it's a really cool opportunity, a really cool event, first one since 2017. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get into the bulk of the show. As always, we're brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. You have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. Be sure to go check them out. One of the best in the area, Scott Barlow, has trained there. Uh, I don't, th- I believe he did this offseason, but last offseason during the lockout, he did. Another Royals pitcher, Austin Cox, uh, who is in AAA Omaha, he spent his entire offseason training there with those guys. So uh, really reputable place, great place to train. Uh, so be sure to go check them out. So I want to start this episode. We're 12 games in now. The Royals are 10 and two. Josh, do you know what that puts the pace at for uh, for wins uh, for the regular season? Uh, I'm just going to guess like 145. Good enough for me. All right. So that that's what we're pacing for. Uh, but it has been 
it's been really fun to watch early with, with the games we were able to. Nothing else. We're just catching highlights and box scores, but they're playing well. And part of the reason why they're having so much success is the pitching staff has been fantastic uh, on the whole for the, the 12 games that we've seen them play in the Cactus League. It's, they're pay, it's paying immediate dividends, hiring Brian Sweeney and Zach Bove and what they've been able to do between the, between the two of them because Brian Sweeney is the head pitching coach and then uh, Zach Bove's official title is assistant pitching coach and director of major league pitching strategy. So that's where a lot of the analytical stuff comes in with developing game plans, but then also developing pitches, uh, pitch shapes, pitch design, everything like that. And we're seeing that come into place a lot of guys going to driveline and working on stuff that the Royals wanted them to Brad Keller's developed a curveball Chris Bubich who raved about throwing a slider and wanting to to work that into his repertoire last season was essentially told don't throw it and then he starts throwing it this year with a pitching coach and staff that actually wants him to and oh look it was actually one of the, the best pitches he threw the other day Daniel Lynch reshaped his slider to pair with his curveball better uh, Scott Barlow started working on more of like a two seam action uh, with to pair with his slider among other things. And the biggest thing is the Royals aren't walking people anymore. It, they have been one of the worst pitching staffs for between from a K to strikeout ratio or a K to walk ratio since during the Cal Elder era, they were the worst in the league at it. They last season they had, I believe it was 2.02 was their, K to walk ratio or K yeah, K to walk ratio, which was the worst in baseball by a pretty significant margin. And it was just the way it was immediately through 12 games. The Royals have 124 strikeouts to 38 walks in 12 games, which is a 3.26 K to walk ratio. The raid the zone mantra that they're trying to build clearly ha- is having some effect. 12 games is not a significant sample, but at the very least, we're seeing, as I mentioned last week, the, they're implementing the process that they want these guys to, to have in the program and in the organization, and it's paying off early on. Will this mean the Royals are going to have a 3.26 K-to-Walker issue over the course of a full season? Probably not. But there is significant improvement that is happening quickly for these guys, and it's a huge testament to what Brian Sweeney and Zach Bove have been able to do for these guys early on. Josh, go ahead, buddy. All you. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with everything you said. In fact, you've taken damn near every piece of my information I had with this uh, information. I'm I'm sorry, buddy. It's all good. As long as it's out there, I don't care. I don't care who says it. But um, like you said, whether it was done in-house with working with Sweeney and Bove or it was done out of of house with uh, Driveline or whatever, things are still happening and adjustments are still being made on the fly and in camp and in game situations, you're trying to figure out exactly how much you trust this new stuff. And I, I think the biggest thing that we've seen out, I, I love the boobage slider. In fact, Andy Rogers put out a great article today, kind of breaking that down, kind of talking through the situation that happened last year, how you kind of knew what you wanted to do. You had a lot of different adjustments, but you didn't have the time or the confidence to commit anything. And now they have that, whether that is going through the entire offseason working on it or working with Bove and Sweeney or both. It's happening. It's it's this is the kind of adjustments that need to be made, the confidence that needs to be had for these guys to take steps forward and start striking guys out, or at the very least, throwing uh strikes. 
Uh, it seems like both of those potentially happening. Joel, you've talked about on Twitter, multiple people have talked about on Twitter about the K to walk ratio being so good. The 3.26 is a phenomenal ratio. Um, we've, we've seen the correlation between that Royals weekly shout out. They're talking about the correlation between that stat and then the playoff postseason teams last year. Um, it, there, there is a good sign of a good pitching staff is that K to walk ratio. And the fact that they kind of have that and they're doing it by throwing strikes to and striking guys out, that is a huge, huge step in the right direction, regardless of how many games that we're kind of through in here. So um, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. Like you said, I'm not saying everything is completely uh, fine and fixed and we're ahead of the postseason. Look out World Series. Here we come. But I'm saying that this is a huge adjustment from where things used to stand. And the other, every other team has put up runs. And they're also hitting in that Arizona air that we've always been like <laughs> uh, conditioned yeah. to be like the Royals are not going to hit this many home runs because they're Arizona air and that humidity and blah, 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 blah. The teams that they're facing are doing hitting it into the same air and they are not getting the same results. So no, this is not probably not going to be sustainable through the entire season. Yes is an improvement and I'm pumped to see it. Yeah. And it's, I, I keep saying, and I think I said last week on the pod, probably 10 times, like, yeah, it's spring training. Yeah, it's a small sample size. But, like, this is something that even if it's on a smaller, like, level, it seems real. It seems somewhat sustainable once they, like, regress to the mean or, like, settle in with the guys they want to have come the regular season. Like, whatever it's going to be, the process isn't going anywhere. And you're not going to have, at least I don't think, pitchers randomly shelving what they worked on all off season or like being told they can't do stuff or like not having the data or having the data, but not having it interpreted and spoken to them in the right way or not utilizing that data in between games and saying, let's, let's fine tune this during the season. Like I wasn't in the building last year, obviously wasn't on the team last year. Um, but I would think this year there's going to be a lot more in season, in between series type work with the pitching staff instead of, Hey, we're going to make an adjustment at the all-star break and we're going to let you keep beating your head into the wall for three or four months and then see what happens. Then maybe we'll tweak something. I think it's going to be, Hey, this clearly isn't working or like we see something right now that can actually be fixed. Let's get you in here. Let's fix it. Let's keep moving. So well, yes, it is a small sample. Yes. It's spring training. No, I don't think the Royals are going to have like a top, one, three, five, even 10 pitching staff this year, whether it be the rotation or the bullpen necessarily. Um, I do think that a lot of this stuff is real. They're going to settle with a group of guys they want to head into the season with. They're going to be bringing guys up and down. They all know kind of how these guys operate now in terms of who's managing them, who's coaching them. And I think that is uh, more than possibly could have been said for a, a past uh, set of coaches in the Royals pitching department the long gone are the days of a pitching coach telling the media they don't know how to help a certain pitcher <laughs> to be fair that was after like two or three seasons of trying to get to the same guy yeah that's still fair, not that's still not good not good <laughs> not no, good not Optic, by any optically <laughs> in fact terrible but I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on that sure so as I mentioned the Royals had the worst Kato Walker ratio last season 3.26 would put them seventh in baseball last year. Do I think that that number is sustainable? No, but if they can be around 14, 15, which is between two, eight, two, eight, five, I think that is, that's a, I mean, I don't even, I think that's a massive improvement 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a attainable goal to have of, you know, let's get into the teens in baseball in that particular stat, which helps in run prevention. It helps with strikeouts. It helps with limiting, limiting base runners. All of that stuff's super important. And you know, the offense is going to match because it, I think this has the potential to be a really good offense for the Royals this season. If everyone stays healthy and produces the way that we think they can, but it's so like having the, it's such a refreshing breath of fresh air, seeing these guys, buy into what Brian Sweeney and Zach Bober doing. And a couple other guys that I think have, have done really well. Brady Singer looked really good the other day, three innings, scoreless ball, he scattered a couple of hits, but four strikeouts, no walks, uh, a pretty significant improvement for him. And he's throwing his changeup a lot more. He made it mm. an emphasis in his last start to throw it. He has said it is the best that it has felt in his entire career. So clearly Bove, Sweeney and Singer have found something. Carlos Hernandez, who I am not the biggest fan of. I just, I don't know if he's a big league pitcher, but he's actually looked really good this spring. They have found a way to maximize his very, very disappointing hundred mile an hour fastball and, and make it work. And if you can make that work out of the bullpen, like I'm, I'm feeling really good about where these guys are at. And yes, I am like very close to just buying in fully, which is going to end up breaking my heart. But as I mentioned, like you're, we're seeing them do all the right things. There's no like red flags popping up early. They're like, something's not right here. Like, and so if nothing else, that's some sort of improvement. And as I said last week, I don't think the Royals are going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're even going to come close, but if I think we see the significant strides and improvements that we thought we'd see last year, this year, and they're like not good, but they're fun. And they act and we actually start to see like, Hey, I think this could work long term. The Royals are in a really good place. So Joel's got like one of those fancy whiskey glasses, and he's like, he's got Kool Aid in it, and he's circling around and nosing it a little bit, and like maybe mm. even took like a drop or two, and he's like, it tastes pretty good, smells pretty good, but I'm gonna wait until there. I know it's legit before I like start gulping the shit, and I, I, I think that that's fair logic i think i'm Mm -hmm. too jaded to dive in and like take the gallon of kool-aid out of the fridge and just like dunk it on myself like i'm not there (laughs) but i have i have sipped it a little bit and i'm like hey Mm. i think this could work out pretty nicely it it certainly feels that way it's a breath of fresh air from the last couple of years where it hasn't felt that way whatsoever and a lot of it was just blind optimism last season it just was Mm, because you know you felt like they even with a coaching staff, I didn't believe in like the players were good enough to just make it work. Clearly mm-hmm. not the case. And they needed, a, you know, some, some new voices in the room and those new voices are getting through and these guys are buying in and the process is in place to, to really make things work here. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So the slogan of the 2023 Royals baseball season is hashtag cautiously optimistic question mark let's put a question mark on the end of it. hashtag really it's cool story like the hashtag like the inflection of like the, the inflection of i'm ron burgundy like cautiously <laughs> optimistic like i think uh, this is good am i allowed to be cautiously optimistic or is this still like is a groundhog day scenario it's like is this my shadow or is this not my shadow so he, here's the way i look at it like i understand the people that have been so beaten down by so many bad royals teams in their lives that they just want to like they don't want to buy in and believe so they just want to have some they have some sort of negative confirmation bias that just because they didn't hire no, the gm they wanted like and other you know and they they didn't sign all the free agents that they wanted obviously they're going to be terrible like I have no reason to believe that they're going to be bad until I actually see it. Right. Like I have no reason to go. It's a. I think you have plenty of reason. To, I have plenty to, of to reason, but why would I believe it until I actually well, see it? Right. But I think because that, that's also the mentality not I'm going in with right now is sure. They might be, but I don't know yet. So until they give me reason to go, Oh, this team actually kind of sucks. I'm not going <laughs> to go to that place because what good does that do? I don't want this podcast to be an hour long bitch fest all for six months. Like mm-hmm. that's not good for anybody unless you're just that masochistic and you want to just listen to that, <laughs> then be my guest. Well, there are a couple of Twitter users out there that probably would enjoy uh, subscribing enough. to a program oh, yeah. like that, but mm-hmm. I hate only myself. Just not that much, man. I can't yeah, on- only a couple, <laughs> only a couple. Well, I mean that, they didn't do a lot, a lot of roster revamping. Uh, again, this is another year of hoping the young guys take a step forward. Yeah. And some of those guys taking a step forward means they are very good players. Uh, yeah. we, we've talked about plenty of people uh, in this organization that have legitimate talent, and they can take step forward, and they could make a huge difference. But do they still have the, – the main ones still need to be like 
two, three steps before they really start talking about like best in the league, uh, five to six to seven win uh, players. And uh, we still have yet to see that. So I, I understand and I appreciate the optimism, Joel, for 100%. I can also understand why people are getting a little, still a little sour on uh, on what this team is going to look like. But I, when you I got Dakota projections thinking you're going to hit 62 wins, it's kind of hard not to be like, oh, yeah. crap. <laughs> we will see or very quickly the impact of the staff during yes. the regular yeah. season. Like we see it during yeah. the spring. And a lot of my – my optimism to a degree is just getting the voices out of the room from the last couple of years is going to pay dividends early because it was very clear. It was not working, not only from just the on-field product, but in the clubhouse around the, you know, around the stadium, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I do think there is a certain amount of impact there. So maybe there's something there. We will see very quickly how much of an impact, a brand new staff, new set of voices, new set of processes, all come together and actually lead to wins with roughly the same team that was out there last year, plus a, a couple guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that it's basically the same lineup that won 65 games. I, I get it. Yeah. But I think that those guys are good baseball players that maybe just needed a breath and a new voice, a new direction, just something else injected there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it makes a difference. It may not. And it may take it a year or two, but I'm still pretty confident in what Cotrero and company are, are putting together. So there there's that. And we talked about it last week. Like they hit, we, we think we believe in the hires that they made and those were the way more important, especially on the pitching side 100%. Uh, in the direction of this team. So the fact that we're already got it kind of seeing uh, quite a bit of a difference uh, is very promising for sure. Absolutely. So as we're, we're looking forward, spring training, you know, well underway, we're, we're a few weeks from opening day. Uh, I think we're 23 days from opening day at this point. Um, yep. We're starting to see the roster start to come together a little bit. Guys that have yep. helped them help their case. The guys on the fringe, uh, we know who's locked in. I mean, I don't think there's too much debate about who's locked into the roster, but there's a lot of guys on the fringe of, that could sway either way. And there's guys on both sides that, that have helped themselves that have hurt themselves. So we'll, we'll start with the guys that have really uh, helped their case to, to either make the opening day roster or, in the case of certain guys, they may not come up right away, but they have solidified themselves as, hey, I think this guy can help the big league club at some point in a pinch. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through a list that, that Josh Jordan and I talked through uh, the other day. Guys that have helped themselves, I'll start with, a, he's, a, he's a veteran on this team, but his starting job has very much been in question uh, from Royals fans over the last couple of years, but Hunter Dozier's looked pretty solid in spring. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to talk about his defense because it's still not good, but he is, he looks solid at the plate, the swing. He, he did, there was an article written by Andy Rogers talking about how he's kind of retooled his swing to try and optimize things a little bit. He kind of lost it there for a little while uh, with the hand injury and, and things like that. But he, the Royals are adamant that he's going to be the everyday third baseman, at least early on this season, they're going to give him that opportunity Seems like that is the way things are trending. Even if I don't fully agree with it, he has he's solidified. Uh, he has at least proven that you know what. Let's give him a shot for six weeks, two months, see if he can find it. And if not, then we have guys waiting in the wings to to go. But for now, we you know might as well give him the opportunity. 
I, I, you say he's not very good defensively. He's made all the plays that he should have played or should have made this spring. That's already, true. Like so. I, I'm not. I wasn't trying to say he was like booting balls everywhere, but no. We, History we have, is 100 percent there. We have beaten the dead horse about how awful he is with yeah. the glove. That I just yeah. don't want. I don't want to go down that road. We've already 100%. been down the road way too many times. I think it's somewhat assumed, but if you have a low bar, easy to clear it. Fair enough. It's <laughs> a good I, motto. That's a really yeah. good motto, Josh. That's like uh, that. that's how your boy gets C, C grades in college. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the one thing that I kind of kind of want to take a step back on that a little bit is the opposition quality score on B ref. I've got all the guys we're listening or, or we're going to be talking about here. I've got all their scores here, and he is by far the lowest six point five. That's like the equivalency of a I think it's like a, a two way pitcher that he's potentially facing. Mm. So. Um, I'm kind of still want to see more. I want to see more over the coming weeks to see exactly there. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be the opening day starting third baseman and just how loudly are going to, people are going to be complaining about that. It was what I'm really interested to see, but he can, he has the chance here to silence some of those people before opening day. And I, uh, I'm going to be looking for it. Uh, Absolutely. Another guy, we talked about him last week, but he just keeps hitting. He's, probably going to be your starting right fielder on opening day at least it, it probably seems that way it'll be a competition with Edward Olivares but from Mil Reyes again we're not going to talk about the glove we don't he doesn't we, we don't want to worry about that we don't it is <laughs> yeah, a figment glove? of our imagination what are, you, what are you talking about we don't yeah like he, he doesn't he just stands out there and merely exists it's fine oh my god if he's if he hits balls into the fountains it's all that matters right uh but with Drew Waters out the opportunity is there for him to to make the opening day roster he is an awesome interview. He, he, he talked with Jake Eisenberg and, and Monty during the night game against the Dodgers. Very much a good clubhouse presence guy. Uh, very quickly has endeared himself to that organization. And I think endeared himself to the fans that, that, tuned, that tuned into that game. I think he's a, you know, a fun, at, fun guy. Hits a lot of home runs. Uh, if he's able to walk a little bit more and uh, Zomalt's able to tinker with his approach a little bit, he could be a guy that, that sticks on the roster all year. Or if the Royals mm-hmm. are out of it, then you know he's a guy you could trade and get something for. So I'm I'm I like Frondel Reyes a lot. I, I always liked him when he was in San Diego and even in Cleveland, even though he just absolutely destroyed the Royals, especially in Kauffman Stadium. He talked about it being one of his favorite places to hit. So hey, you know what? Let, let's see what happens there. A couple other guys, Samad Taylor. I don't think he yeah. makes the opening day roster, but he has looked really good uh, in the opportunities he's been given. He's playing mostly against the minor league guys at the end of the, you know, at the end of the game over the last four to five innings, but hit a home run the other day. He's playing some infield, playing some outfield, playing center field, uh, which the Royals really don't have a, a marquee guy out there. I think Kyle Isbell can hold it down fine, but I don't think mm-hmm. we look at him as a elite center fielder, even if the Royals believe that he can be that guy. I don't think he makes the opening day roster, but prove that the minute somebody goes down, Samad Taylor can come up and play any number of positions for this team, which is something they value, that positional versatility. Michael Garcia is really interesting here because he, it seems like the Royals are going to get him in the lineup. Like he's, yeah. I think he is making the opening day roster. Somehow, some way, they want him there. J.J. Piccolo has raved about him in the past, uh, you know, at least before the season and into spring. They, want to, they played him at third. He's going to play a little. She's going to play short while Bobby is away with the World Baseball Classic. Michael Massey has been solid, but I don't know if he has necessarily locked down second base at this point. 
and they're sticking Michael Garcia out in center field. Sounds like they just want to get him in the lineup. They want that bat in there. Just following in his cousin's footsteps by being a natural shortstop playing center field for some interesting reason. Um, by the way, Michael Garcia is related to Alcides Escobar, if you didn't know. <laughs> but the, the Michael Garcia out to center is interesting because that tells me they want him on the opening day roster. What do you guys think? Um, he's, I mean, he's never played. It was kind of the same scenario it was with him at third base. Like he's never played mm-hmm. that professionally. This is where he's getting run in spring training. Sure. But do you really think he's ready for the majors just to like force his way into the lineup? I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that is the, the way that this front office is going to go, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he's, I mean, he's well, knocking on the door and busting it down. It's not necessarily the same thing, but MJ Melendez only played a handful of games in the outfield, and they were like, hey, dude, you're going to go true. play left field because we want yeah. your bat in the lineup. At, at a certain point, yeah. it's get the bats in the lineup, and we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear Michael Garcia has shown that he can hit, that he can hit in a big league lineup and hit against big league pitching. Speaking it's just a matter of, of finding a way to get him in the lineup and make it work. I think we have all, and everybody kind of expects him to be in left field, right? I think everybody yeah. expects MJ, it. Yeah. Yeah. He's only played at catcher or right field in spring. Yeah, track. I know so it's that been was weird. very interesting to me. That is interesting, but mm-hmm. but I think but regardless, he's gonna be a corner outfielder and be in there. Sure, uh, but yeah, the right right field is interesting. Mm. Now I want to know what the hell they're thinking for left field. Yep. <laughs> right, like because you could talk about Prado, but that's he's like a naturally on that side of the field, so right field makes sense. But I don't know. Did we address think- JBJ at all? No. no, so he's on. So for those that didn't see, yeah, he's on the Miami. Maybe I, I just that figured. is purely depth in Omaha. I think it was just for fun. Yeah, yeah. and it, about three years ago, I would have thought, oh yeah, no, yeah. that's like the mo- that makes the most sense in the world. But they tried to know, pay us. Yeah. yeah, or they tried they to tried. trade for him before they. I think it was like a year or two before they went and got Benintendi. <laughs> yep, I have a I have a guy that I was just looking at stats. This guy is hashtag old for a prospect, like very old. Don't think he's going to play big league reps this year. Um, I bet his opponent quality score is also very low. CJ Alexander, seven for 10, and he hasn't struck oh. out yet. And that's a guy that struck out that's 30% super of the time plus in double A yeah. in 2019, 20% of the time plus in 2022, um, two walks to no strikeouts in those 10 at bats. So again, I don't 6. think he's going to do anything. I don't expect him to do anything. Yeah, 6.8, and I, I just thought that was something that stuck out. Hey, good for him. Good for I him. I thought about good that, too. You I get a pat on the back. Maybe, he's, maybe he could slot in somewhere in the third-base conversation at some point. Hmm. If they really need it, for sure. Dude, dude yeah. mashes. Like if he makes contact, the ball's going to fly. Yeah. It's just a matter yeah. of him getting to that contact. That's why he's 26 or 27 years old and still yeah. in the minor leagues. Speaking of third base, there was a guy who was playing third base a lot that – I didn't think had a very much of a shot to be anything significant, but boy, is he on fire in the spring. Matt Duffy. Mm. He's got a 1.233 OPS and 16 player appearances and eight op qual score. Um, I don't know. It's uh no, I'm sorry. That's not right. It's a 1.4 OPS with a 7.9 op quality store. Okay. Uh, two strikeouts, no walks, three doubles. Doing what he needs to stay in the discussion for opening day. I don't think that's a real thing. And his body yeah. type is still very strange to me. He is being pole city, but 
but he's 32 yep. years old. He's got a veteran presence. He can absolutely fill in at the hot corner. So Matt Duffy, in my opinion, has worked his way into the open day conversation way more than I was giving him credit for off the bat. Matt Duffy being on the opening day roster would be the most whelming thing of all time. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be upset, but uh, there is like zero excitement for Matt Duffy. I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. It's not even like I'm disappointed. It's just like, <laughs> really? I will, Okay, I'll put it this way. The only way I will be upset is if he is on the roster over Michael Garcia. Like, if they decide I, to yeah, go with the veteran presence over Michael Garcia, I will be upset. I, I think they could do that. I don't I know. Do. I think there's a 97% chance that that happens. Yeah, I, I If I had to bet, I would bet that they do that. Not necessarily okay, Matt Duffy, well, but like maybe someone... Not if, inexplicably, because like you could see it, but you know what I mean. Th- this mm-hmm. is where we get into the new versus the old front office. I think if Dayton Moore was still here, yeah. that one hundred percent would happen. I think it's like a coin flip with JJ. I think there's still some like he he was around Dayton enough that he values that sort of thing. Yeah, but at a certain point, he just wants the best players on the field, and he loves Michael Garcia. He wants that dude to succeed so bad. That I think if he if we continue down this road, then Michael Garcia is me on the opening day roster, and maybe Matt Duffy is the guy that at this point in his career just wants to keep playing ball and goes to Omaha and buys some spreads with his big you know some of that big league money that he's got stashed away and is just a good veteran presence that's there in AAA, and mm-hmm. then in a pinch somebody gets hurt, okay, give him two weeks two weeks in the big leagues, that's fine. I'm not anti Matt Duffy. I just don't think he, I just don't want to see him on the opening day roster. Sure. The other thing we know about JJ is the fact that he is going to uh, put an emphasis on controllable years and cheap controllable years on that, which is Michael Garcia to a T 23 years old, I think. Um, And his natural position is shortstop. Bobby Witt Jr. wants to be there. They've committed to him being there. We'll see if these long-term and if they do have to move Michael Garcia off of shortstop to get him up to the league. I think that they are going to give him more shots to learn center field, to learn third base potentially before they start trying to force a round shape into a square peg. This isn't like uh, the San Diego Fernando Tatis. Uh, We know that it's go time because you just paid Hosmer and Machado. Uh, That's not what this year is. That could be next year. But by that time, maybe Michael Garcia has already worked his way onto this roster. That's that's where my head is not quite forced the issue just yet. See if we can control a little bit longer. See where we are. Let him season. Twenty three years old. I mean, it is what it is. Two hundred. I think it's like two hundred eight plate appearances above two or double A baseball. So yeah, I don't know. I could I could see it going both ways. But I'm with Jordan. If it's if we're betting on it, I I would hundred percent bet on Matt uh, Matt Duffy or even Smod Taylor. Um, making this roster before uh, Michael Garcia, despite the hospering. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain, educate, inform, KC Sports Network. So some of the pitchers that I think have proven themselves really solidly early on, Jose Quas, kind of up and down. Uh, last season in the big leagues, but yeah. looks disgusting. Awesome. To start, yeah. Again, just adds a different look. It's it's a little different. I, and the Royals loaded up on some bullpen arms, so there is a, a competition out there for that. You know those eight spots. And hey, 
I think he, I think he's proven at least early on that he he's not just a flash in the pan, really good story that he's, you know, someone that can, that can contribute in this bullpen. Richard mm-hmm. Lovelady coming back off Tommy John has been really solid as well. Coming from one of those lefty spots. I don't know if he's going to make the opening day roster with Josh Taylor and Aroldis Chapman. I, and, but they, they need that third lefty. So maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. That one's going to be kind of tough. And then Carlos Hernandez, I mentioned him earlier. He has looked about as good as I've ever seen him in a Royals uniform. Seems like Bove and Sweeney have figured something out with his repertoire to make it work. And, you know, I think, and he's still a young enough guy that he can, you know, you can buy in. If you can get him to buy in, then, you know, maybe there's something there out of the bullpen. I don't think he starts again. Doesn't seem like that's his, like his mentality, like his, uh, like the way he goes about his business just doesn't make sense for every fifth day kind of needs to feel like he's going to throw every single day. So it seems like that's probably going to be the case there. Any other, anybody else that you felt like has kind of helped themselves early on before we move into the guys that really haven't. Mm, Ryan Weiss has oh, eight yeah. strikeouts to Good one walk and a one eighty RA in five innings. Um, again, this is not the tier of players that we're probably going to talk about in terms of guys that are going to like, definitely make the team and impact the big league roster in a big way. Um, but again, I was perusing the stats. And like I had no clue. I was just like, I, I didn't know he had been that good. So yeah. kudos to him with the way that the Royals are probably going to shuffle the bullpen quite a bit this year to a we'll save guys and give guys opportunities. Ryan Weiss is the guy 100%. You stash him in Omaha. And then I think, cause I, I think he's on the 40, not hundred percent sure, mm-hmm. but I, I think he is. Because uh, he was in that, I think he was in that trade with um, Emmanuel Rivera and Luke Weaver. I think he was like a player to be named later, or like a throw-in. And so that was. I can double check because I know he was with the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he was. Season, it was so a I, waivers claim. Oh, it was a waiver claim. Okay. Yeah. My bad. I, I know yep, he was with the Diamondbacks, good. so it it sounded right. But I couldn't have pulled that name anyways. Yeah, stash him in Omaha, and then somebody gets hurt, or just hey, this guy needs a little bit of a break or a reset come on up and it seems like he can contribute right away. Uh, low leverage type situations, but another, another good arm. You can never have too many good bullpen arms yeah. or at least serviceable bullpen arms, uh, especially on this team. And I, I don't think I have anybody else. That's really, I want to bring up, but I do want to take the opportunity to talk about how genuinely excited about this bullpen. I am. Uh, I think I mentioned it last week that, I mean, you got a solid four in Barlow Coleman, uh, Chapman, if he's got it together, and Stamont has looked great in spring yes. training. That's four dudes that is just very solid at any given moment that you can unlock those guys, and then you can take guys like Amir Garrett, Taylor Clark, Josh Taylor, uh, Carlos Hernandez, if you work in love, Lady Quas. I mean, there's just so many guys that you can mix and match in this bullpen. Q wants to do that this year. That's like his main point of emphasis with that bullpen. Um, that he's going to look into doing way more of. And I'm pumped about actually having some good arms with good histories, with fixable things and the other guys that they went and got like the Cruz and the Sisk and all these other guys they've acquired. They've got funky stuff. They got stuff. Um, so it's just very fun to kind of think about what this bullpen could be. And that's even before talking about potentially any of these star- uh, failed starters transitioning to the bullpen. So I'm very interested in seeing how this bullpen uh, plays out this year and very excited for it. For sure. So these are the guys that I that have pro- that probably had a spot or 
felt like they were had a good chance to make the roster that certainly have not helped themselves out. Jackson mm-hmm. Coar, man, I don't know anymore. I, I've wanted to yeah. like I he's one of those guys that I just couldn't <laughs> quit. Like I I just fully believe he was gonna figure it out and it just isn't there. Like yeah. I, I just I don't know anymore, man. I, I want it to work. I one of my biases when it comes to scouting and evaluation is if you're a righty with a plus changeup, like I love you and I just want mm. you to make it to the big leagues. <laughs> yeah. And just he was so good from the time the Royals drafted him through AAA and got to the big leagues, and it's just gone. And mm. I I don't think he's like I thought maybe he had a chance in the bullpen, maybe fight for that fifth rotation spot if the spring really went his way. I think that dream is dead. I think he's. They're gonna have to send him down to Omaha, and at that point, I think he's out of options. So you're really then making it, or that would that would be his last option. So then you really have to make a decision the, yep. on him. Yep, going into one. 24. Yep. Man, it's tough, but I, I mm. just he's still continually getting shelled. Uh, even when he's able to get to his changeup, it doesn't have that bite, that depth that we, that you really want it to have. The fastball is still really disappointing. I just. This is why there's no such thing as a pitching prospect that a mm, guy that yeah. felt to me like the most surefire thing out of any of those guys, Singer, Lynch, Bubich, Heasley. I felt like Coar was going to be the guy that was the most sure thing that he would have a carve out a role in the big leagues somewhere. That is clearly not the case. And I hope that he can figure it out. I, I mm-hmm. want him to, because I really want it to work. Mm. John Heasley is the other guy that uh, again Heasley's my guy has been my guy for a long time, but he has gotten absolutely whacked mm. all spring. Thought maybe he could fight for that fifth rotation spot, or at the worst, a bullpen. I think they might send him down to Omaha and just let him work there, and then he's your swingman first opportunity. I think they still believe in him. I don't think this is like a coar situation where it's just kind of you throw your hands up and go okay. Like, it's just not there. I think he's shown enough in his time in the big leagues that, hey, there, there's something there, even if it's a swingman role, that, you know, I think he can provide something. But maybe he needs a little more seasoning and a little more time to reset in Omaha. Now, it's just been two starts, but neither start has been good. So it's not like there's much you can take away and go, hey, I still think there's something there regardless. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't worked early on for him. The thoughts on either of those guys or anybody else, any other pitchers before I get to the position players? I, I don't really have much. They both got, they both faced some of the stiffer competition in spring. Um, I'm still not giving up on Kowar. I still like you, like you love what the changeup is right there. So I'm right there with you, but um, he's got to show way more than he has. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of all I had. Um, I had two. Max Castillo's only pitched 2.2 yeah. innings, but he's given up a home run, four hits, five runs. Um, Jeffrey Del Rosario, who seems like he's been a Royals prospect for like 50 years at this point. <laughs> and he's only um, like seven 23. Hits. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Seven hits, six runs, three walks, and in three innings. Um, yeah. He's overmatched apparently at this point still. Even against um, like AAA guys. Yeah. Like so he's pitching not good. in the games when it's all prospects. Yeah, not good. So the two position players, Matt Beatty, who they brought in as a non-roster invite, it's kind of the Matt Duffy thing where it's just whelming. Like, I like Matt Duffy. I watched him in AAA when he was with Oklahoma City before he got called up. And, you know, a guy like, oh, that's kind of a good story. You know, I think he was a late-round pick um, that just kind of worked his way up. And he kind of feels like a guy that the Royals legitimately could want to have around. And mm-hmm. similar situation, like I've talked about with some of these guys, just put him in Omaha and – 
you know, first sign of trouble or first, you know, an injury, they have enough. He, Matt Duffy, Matt Beatty has enough big league time that he could fill in for two, three weeks if he really needs to in some capacity. And it's going to be okay. There's nothing real flashy about him, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to make the opening day roster in any, any capacity. Hmm. This one may be a little controversial, but Nicky Lopez is 0 for 6, and none of those plate appearances were good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he scalded a ball to the right fielder and you can go, oh, well, he hit the ball hard there. Tough luck, whatever. He is just, it's just not very good anymore, man. And I, you know, it was a legitimate competition with him and Massey, but now Massey's going to have a little bit of the upper hand because Lopez is with the World Baseball Classic and Team Italy. Or mm. he's going to go and play there. And hey, maybe if Nikki turns it around and figures it out over there, you know, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of that confidence back. And, you know, he has an opportunity to be the everyday second baseman early on. At worst, I think he's just a utility bench player, kind of like he was at the end of last season when they just decided, okay, we're just going to go full young guys uh, as much as we possibly can. And Nikki's going to move around between short, second, and third, and, you know, play three or four times a week. Probably the role he's best suited for, but none of there's not a lot you could hang your hat on sample size to think, okay, there's something there and he can reclaim that everyday role at, at second base. I at this point, I think it's Michael Massey's to lose, and he's been awesome as of the last four games or so. I don't think there ever was very much to hang your hat on with Nikki Lopez. I think he, and this is coming from a guy who like was all over the 2021 season when he finally like exploded or whatever. He got really lucky. It was an outlier season. The defense remains really good. Like or projects to at least over the course of a full season, whatever the speed is is above average. He became more of like a a threat with that um, last season, I believe, but like the bat just isn't there to be a full-time player. Like if he's your everyday player, even as a number eight hitter or whatever, it's not good. Um, you can afford to have one like pre fake improvement Michael A. Taylor type hitter in your lineup. And like if everyone else is pulling their weight, it's okay. And I guess Nikki Lopez can be one of those guys, but the Royals don't quite have that and they aren't mm-hmm. going to quite have that. So you have to put someone out there who could at least be a threat with the bat and he, he just isn't. So um, I think, and this is completely independent of the spring, like then you factor in. He's done nothing in a very limited sample size to uh, alleviate those concerns for anyone, I think, (laughs) for for lack of a better phrase. Um, I think that he's been poor, and then Johan Camargo is 3 for 16 with a 438 OPS. He's been a hashtag ungood in spring training, kind of expected that, didn't really understand the move. Like, I kind of got it, but kind of didn't lumped it in with like the Duffy and Beatty and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's all I got. I don't, I don't know what you do with Nikki at this point. Yes. He can be your super utility guy for the infield and be like a defensive defensive replacement or a pinch runner, but who are you defensively replacing? Maybe Hunter Dozier at third is Nikki that much of an upgrade His glove is, but is his arm? I don't know. Um, he has three options though. I don't know what he would be sent down to Omaha to work on, but he does have roster flexibility with those options, and I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he was optioned this year. 
but I do also think that they, as an organization, believe in him as a roster uh, cornerstone. Uh, he when they did the baby blue promos with George Brett yeah. and Singer, and he was one of the guys. He was in front of Vinny, right? <laughs> or was that yeah, Bobby? So. That might have been Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Either but way, he was part. He was like part of the five or six guys in there. So I think, I mean, from a promotional standpoint, Nicky Lopez is still in, involved in those promotions, and I don't think he's going anywhere. So yeah, he's got intangibles. Do you just call the Dodgers and go, "Hey, you need a shortstop." Uh, we'll take I a ca- I we'll think take you a, just we'll keep take a around. case of Dodger dogs and you know a double yeah. A prospect that we have no uh, idea his name. I don't know. I think you wait until mid season and like if you have a better picture of maybe Hunter Dozier got hot and then you flipped him and Michael Garcia's up at the big leagues or like Samad yeah. Taylor got up there and was playing some infield or whatever. Like you wait and see what you have or what you don't have. And maybe if Lopez is playing a little bit better than you expect. And his weighted runs created plus is like 90 or something. And he's playing good defense in a limited sample. If someone calls you up and says, hey, what what do you want for Nicky Lopez? And you do something like that. Now, beginning of the season, they almost surely are going to keep him around, I think, just to start off. But mm-hmm. once you get rolling and those like results start coming out and the slash lines are starting to build up like the the justification for playing him more than just a part-time role is not there i don't think right um barring anyone or multiple people getting hurt um but like josh said the the promotion standpoint the leadership standpoint the intangible standpoint the cost standpoint like it's not a mm-hmm. sunk cost at this point even if he's just playing defense as a utility guy um so i think they do kind of just sit and and let that simmer Sorry, I'm looking something up really quick. Oh, you're good. We love live lookups. What was last week? The Billy Butler. It was, Bi- it was Billy Butler. Bi- Billy Butler tweeted about that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, good follow, good guy. I, I like him. <laughs> Joel, what are you looking up? I'm what looking player? up the, when the Vinny Nicky Lopez bobblehead night is. Mm. So you're like, if he's still around then, then blah, 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 blah. Or <laughs> afterwards. Like it's, the day after that, they're like, all right, dude. You're going to Siberia or That's wherever it is. I'm, I'm wondering how close it is to the trade deadline. <laughs> is oh, it? Man. Is it the two of them together? Yeah. That's going to be real awkward if they trade. <laughs> yeah. And I, I kept seeing the Dodgers coming up. It's like just because there's a there's a fillable hole doesn't mean the Dodgers would be interested in that. He does not strike me as a an LA Dodgers player. The White Sox thing, I was like, he's he has ties there. Like that makes perfect yep. sense, even though yep. it is a an interdivision trade. But like LA, I could not really see him suiting up there. Like when Agreed. Danny Duffy went there, it obviously made sense. Like you can see certain guys, like when Mustakas left, you could see the teams he landed on, like it making sense for him. Nicky Lopez, like again, I, I just cannot see him doing that. The White Sox are about to trounce out Elvis Andrews' old ass. Mm-hmm. Joel, I'm base. trying to stall no, for you. No, no luck, unfortunately. So I wonder okay. if they're. I wonder if they they pulled the date to go. Hmm. I wonder if there was interest. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as I know, the Vinny, Nikki, like Simba, you know, bobblehead thing exists. Yeah. At least that was part of the offseason promotion. So hmm. we'll we'll see. So I mentioned a little bit at the top, but the World Baseball Classic is happening. Uh, it's starting. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday. So Tuesday night, Cuba versus the Netherlands is going to kick things off. 
the U.S. doesn't play until March 11th, I believe. March 11th through 15th is when that pool is being played uh, in pools. The, the U.S. is in pool C. Uh, Brady Singer and Bobby Wood Jr. are on Team USA. Brady Singer is basically the best pitcher on team, starting pitcher on Team USA. Uh, Adam Wainwright is getting the open or the first game against Great Britain. I'd imagine uh, they're going, you know, uh, but they're going to go with Brady Singer probably game two. Vinny Pasquantino, Nicky Lopez on Team Italy. MJ Melendez is on Puerto Rico, Team Puerto Rico. Ronald Bolaños is on Team Cuba. Three guys on Team Venezuela, Max Castillo, Salvador Perez, Carlos Hernandez. Robbie Glendinning is on Australia, Team Australia. And then does the name Ronald Madrano ring a bell? Because I believe that is Team Nicaragua. That does. He's a prospect, right? Or is he? Yes, that is the first I've heard his name. Does anyone know what team he played for? No clue. I've heard the name, but I have no clue at all. I'm sorry if Ronald Madrano's Madrano's family or anybody listened to this and wants to insult me and call me terrible things. If you want to do that, please like and subscribe, and you can use the comment section to do that. <laughs> I had to bribe my my best friends to subscribe to our channel, and I said you can berate me in the comment section if that's what it takes. Huh? Yeah, I I mean the Nicaragua Winter League. He must Dude, have been Cardinals like a minor league minors. free agent or something. Yeah, I, I hate Cardinals being, minor leagues. I, I hate being like uninformed, but that was a name when I saw the graphic. I was like, wait, who the yeah. heck is that? Looks like he was in the Cardinals minor league system into 2015 and then hasn't pitched again until uh, the Nicaraguan Winter League okay. last season. Well, you know what? Good for him. He's getting to, to represent. Absolutely. So that's, that's pretty cool. I'm a Madrano fan now. Any early predictions on who you think might actually win the whole thing? Mm. I'm gonna. I'm the, the Dominicanos. The, the it's hard to go against them, right? Ridiculous. I ridiculous like, lineup. This is not an insult to anybody else that is playing in the WBC, but I just want a seven-game series between the United States and the Dominican Republic. Yeah, <laughs> and just let that happen. Let them battle it out. What here's what sucks is that the U.S. and the Domin- and the Dominican Republic are on the same side of the bracket, so we won't get a mm. final. The best final we probably can get is either the Dominicans versus the Japanese, or the U.S. or the Americans versus the Japanese. Which, <laughs> in that case, the Shohei Otani Mike Trout Championship at bat matchup is That'd going to be legendary. Yeah. Because I'm an American, I'm obviously going to think that the Americans can win, and it's one of the best WBC teams that have been fielded uh, for the United States. Um, having Mike Trout, Trevor Story, obviously Bobby Wood Jr. is on there, but Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Trey Turner, Cedric Mullins, like that that whole team is just insane. Um, but then you look at the Dominican team, and like Jeremy Pena, who won World Series MVP, might come off mm-hmm. the bench. Yeah. Wonder Franco, yeah, it, Wonder, yeah, Wonder Franco, yeah. Be on the bench. But the outfield is gonna be Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto, and Teoscar Hernandez with Eloy Jimenez coming off the bench. Like, <laughs> and Nelson Cruz is in DH. It's, it's absurd, it, it, and I, I think Nelson Cruz is like the GM Probably, of the yeah. team. Like he Player helped coach. build the team. Yadier Molina is the uh, manager for Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. There's Kinsler, so much talent. He, Ian Kinsler is the manager for Team Israel. Good for him. 
There's so much talent out there. And like just tracing yeah. the connections back is also equally as cool, I think. Like you yeah. were like I didn't know Ian Kinsler was affiliated with Team Israel in any capacity this year at all. Like that's I didn't know Nick Lopez neat. was Italian. <laughs> I had no clue either. Yeah. yeah, like seeing the whole thing just connecting the dots and then seeing how stacked some of these lineups are. Or like well, even like, if one player jumps out at you, you're like, oh shit! Like I know that guy, and he's you know from this country, <laughs> playing for this country, and well, it's uh, it's just a unique thing. It is. It's super cool. And Marcus Stroman played for Team USA in 2017, uh-huh. but his mom is Puerto Rican, so he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go play with Team Puerto Rico this time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which it's yep. cool that they they allow guys to do that. Like yeah. Bernie Freeman is Canadian, but he grew up in Southern California, but he's playing for Team Canada because yep. he can. Like that. That's. Yep. It's really cool. It's a really cool event. I'm glad that they're bringing it back. It's a long overdue. It was supposed to be in 2021, but obviously the the pandemic delayed things. But this is a really cool event. 2017 was electric. It was awesome for the game of baseball. And I hope that this gives a lot of momentum for the sport going into the regular season here in the MLB and a really cool showcase for a lot of these guys, especially on like that are playing Japan and Korea. Like if you are going to do anything watch the japanese team japan mm-hmm. because holy crap there are some guys on that team that are going to be forces in major league baseball mm. soon roki yep. sasaki uh i think it's yoshinobu yamamoto is another guy uh look for those guys in the next couple of years to be in the major leagues because they are nuts mm-hmm. um there, there's a lot of really, really good players like Shohei Otani, who's the best player on the planet. Is like I'm probably like the fifth best player on this team. Which maybe he's humble, but maybe yeah. maybe he's wrong. It's like well, actually, <laughs> yeah, man, but maybe he's right. Yeah, and, but regardless, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, be sure to check that out. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that notification bell so you know when our shows go live. Do the same on YouTube, KCSN Kansas City Royals. Hit that subscribe. Hit that like. Smash the bell so you know when the notifications for when our episodes go live. We're going to be coming at you all season long talking about the Kansas City Royals. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.